0: Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode of The World of Percy Jackson. In this episode, we're going to read chapters 3 to 4, and in the previous episode, we read chapters 1 through 2. And we ended off on Jason, Piper, and Annabeth visiting this house of ghouls. And it turned out to end in a very fascinating way with this one specific figure approaching Jason, claiming to be his mother... So now we'll read chapter three to see how exactly Jason's going to react and whether this is all true. So now we're going to read chapter three, Jason. Somehow he knew her. He recognized her dress, a flowery green and red wraparound like the skirt of a Christmas tree. He recognized the colorful plastic bangles on her wrists that had dug into his back when she hugged him goodbye at the wolf house. He recognized her hair. An over-teased corona of dyed blonde curls and her scent of lemons and aerosol. Her eyes were blue like Jason's, but they gleamed with fractured light, like she'd just come out of a bunker after a nuclear war, hungrily searching for familiar details in a changed world. Dearest, she held out her arms. Jason's vision tunneled, the ghosts and ghouls no longer mattered. His mist disguise burned off, his posture straightened, his joints stopped aching, his walking stick turned back into an imperial gold gladius. The burning sensation didn't stop. He felt as if layers of his life were being seared away. His months at Camp Halfblood. his years at Camp Jupiter, his training with Lupa, the wolf goddess. He was a scared and vulnerable two-year-old again. Even the scar on his lip from when he tried to eat a stapler as a toddler, stung like a fresh wound. Mom? He managed. Yes, dearest. Her image flickered. Come, embrace me. You're? You're not real. Of course she's real. Michael Verusa's voice sounded far away. Did you think Gaia would let such an important spirit languish in the Underworld? She is your mother, Beryl Grace, star of television, sweetheart to the King of Olympus, who rejected her not once, but twice, in both his Greek and and Roman aspects. She deserves justice as much as any of us. Jason's heart felt wobbly. The suitors crowded around him, watching. I'm their entertainment, Jason realized. The ghost probably found this even more amusing than two beggars fighting to the death. Piper's voice cut through the buzzing in his head. Jason, look at me. She She stood 20 feet away, holding her ceramic amphora. Her smile was gone, her gaze was fierce and commanding, as impossible to ignore as the blue harpy feathers in her hair. That is in your mother. Her voice is working some kind of magic on you, like charm speak, but more dangerous. Can't you sense it? She's right. Annabeth climbed onto the nearest table. She kicked aside a platter, startling a dozen suitors. Jason, that's only a remnant of your mother. Like an era. Maybe. Or... A remnant? His mother's ghost sobbed. Yes. Look at what I've been reduced to. It's Jupiter's fault. He abandoned us. He wouldn't help me i didn't want to leave you in sonoma my dear but you know when jupiter gave me no choice they wouldn't allow us to stay together why fight for them now join these suitors lead them we can be a family again jason felt hundreds of eyes on him this had been the story of my life he thought bitterly everyone had always watched him expecting him to lead the way From the moment he'd arrived at Camp Jupiter, the Roman demigods had treated him like a prince in waiting. Despite his attempts to alter his destiny, joining the worst cohort, trying to change the camp traditions, taking the least glamorous missions, and befriending the popular kids, the least popular kids, he had been made praetor anyway. As a son of Jupiter, his future had been assured. He remembered what Hercules had said to him at the Straits of Gibraltar. It's not easy being a son of Zeus. Too much pressure, eventually, can make a guy snap. Now Jason was here, drawn as taut as a bowstring. You left me, he told his mother. That wasn't Jupiter or Juno. That was you. Belle Gray stepped forward. The worry lines around her eyes, the painted tightness in her mouth, reminded Jason of his sister, Talia. Dearest... I told you I would come back. Those were my last words to you. Don't you remember? Jason shivered. In the ruins of the wolf house, his mother had hugged him one last time. She had smiled, but her eyes were full of tears. It's all right, she had promised. But even as a little kid, Jason had known it wasn't all right. Wait here. I will be back for you, dearest. I will see you soon. She hadn't come back. So Jason had wandered the ruins, crying and alone, calling for his mother and for Talia, until the wolves came for him. His mother's unkept promise was at the core of who he was. He built his whole life around the irritation of her words, like the grain of sand at the center of a pearl. People lie. Promises are broken. That was why, as much as it chafed him, Jason had followed rules. He kept his promises... He never wanted to abandon anyone the way he'd have been abandoned and lied to. Now his mom was back, erasing the one certainty Jason had about her. That she left him forever. Across the table, Antinous raised his goblet. So pleased to meet you, son of Jupiter. Listen to your mother. You have many grievances against the gods. Why not join us? I gather these two serving girls are your friends. We will spare them. You wish to have your mother remain in the world? We can do that. You wish to be a king? No. Jason's mind was spinning. No, I don't belong with you. Michael Ruse regarded him with cold eyes. Are you so sure, my fellow praetor? Even if you defeat the giants in Gaia, would you return home like Odysseus did? Where is your home now? With the Greeks? With the Romans? No one will accept you. And if you get back, who's to say you won't find ruins like this? Jason scanned the palace courtyard. Without the illusionary balconies and the colonnades, there was nothing but a heap of rubble on a barren hilltop. Only the fountain seemed real, spewing forth sand like a reminder of Gaia's limitless power. You were a legion officer, he told Verus. A leader of Rome. So were you, Verus said. Loyalties change. You think I believe belong with this crowd? Jason asked. A bunch of dead losers waiting for a free handout from Gaia? Whining that the world owes them something? Around the courtyard, ghosts and ghouls rose to their feet and drew weapons. Beware! Piper yelled at the crowd. Every man in this place is your enemy. Each one will stab you in the back at the first chance. Over the last few weeks, Piper's charm speak had become truly powerful. She spoke the truth, and the crowd believed her. They looked sideways at one another, hands clenching the hilts of their swords. Jason's mother stepped toward them. Dearest, be sensible. Give up on your quest. Eurago II could never make the trip to Athens. Even if it did, there's the matter of the Athena Parthenos. A tremor passed through him. What do you mean? Don't feign ignorance, my dearest. Gaia knows about your friend Reyna and Nico, the son of Hades, and the satyr Hedge. To kill them, the Earth Mother has sent her most dangerous son, the Hunter Who Never Rests. But you don't have to die. The ghosts and ghouls closed in, 200 of them facing Jason in anticipation as if he might lead them in the lashal anthem, The Hunter Who Never Rests. Jason didn't know who that was, but he had to warn Reina and Nico, which meant he had to get out of the here alive. He looked at Annabeth and Piper, both stood ready, waiting for his cue. He forced himself to meet his mother's eyes. She looked like the same woman who'd abandoned him in the Sonoma woods 14 years ago. But Jason wasn't a toddler anyway. Anymore. He was a battle veteran. A demigod who'd faced death countless times. And what he saw in front of him wasn't his mother. At least not what his mother should be. Caring. Loving. Selflessly protective. A remnant, Annabeth had called her. Michael Verus had told him that the spirits here were sustained by the strongest desires. The spirit of Beryl Grace literally glowed with need. Her eyes demanded Jason's attention, her arms reached out, desperate to possess him. "'What do you want?' he asked. "'What brought you here?' "'I want life!' she cried. "'Youth! Beauty! Your father could have made me immortal. He could have taken me to Olymp- Olympus, but he abandoned me. You can set things right, Jason. You are my proud warrior. Her lemony scent turned acrid, as if he was, she was starting to burn. Jason remembered something Talia had told him. Their mother had become increasingly unstable until her despair drove her crazy. She had died in a car accident, the result of her driving while da- drunk. The watered wine in Jason's stomach churned. He decided that if he lived through this day, he would never drink alcohol again. You're a mania, Jason decided. The word coming to him from his study as Cam Jupiter long ago. A spirit of insanity. That's what you've been reduced to. I'm all that remains. Bail of Grace agreed. Her image flickered through a spectrum of colors. Embrace me, son. I'm all that you have left. The memory of the South Wind spoke in his mind. You can't choose your parentage, but you can choose your legacy. Jason felt like he was being reassembled. One layer at a time, his heart beat steady. The chill left his bones, his skin warmed in the afternoon sun. No. He croaked. He glanced at Annabeth and Piper. My loyalties haven't changed. My Piper, my family has just expanded. I am a child of Greece and Rome. He looked back at his mother for the last time. I'm no child of yours. He made the ancient sign of warding off evil. Three fingers thrust out from the heart and the ghost of Beryl Grace disappeared with a soft hiss like a sigh of relief. The ghoul Antinous tossed aside his goblet. He studied Jason with a look of lazy disgust. Well then, he said, I suppose we'll just kill you. All around Jason, the enemies closed in. And that's the end of chapter three. Definitely a very fascinating dilemma that was presented in this chapter. For a moment there, we could see that Jason was completely convinced that it was his mother and in a way although it may not have been his mother he had that feeling that he wanted her to be his mother because he's lived all this time and the last memory that he had of her was when she dropped him off at the wolf house and never essentially came back so because of that it's more of jason's i believe that it's more of jason's daydreaming in a sense that he's hoping his mother would embrace him, and he would get he would get say yes. That is his dream. But because we know what Gaia does, and what and how it, you know, changes the mind of a lot of demigods, this is just yet another another one of those possibilities. So after the break, we will finish this episode off with chapter four and some Q and questions. Please be sure uh to stay tuned after the break and we shall finish this episode out so after the break i shall see you and we're back from the break and now we're going to read chapter four jason the fight was going great until he got stabbed jason slashes gladius in a wide arc vaporizing the nearest suitors then he vaulted onto the table and jumped right over Antonus's head. In midair he willed his blade to extend into a javelin, a trick he'd never done with his sword, but somehow he knew it would work. He landed on his feet holding a six foot long plea pillow. As Antonus turned his face toward to t- turn to face him, Jason thrust the Imperial Gold through the Jogul's chest. Antonus looked down incredulously. You enjoy the fields of punishment. Jason yanked out of his pillow and Antonus crumbled to dirt. Jason kept fighting, spinning his javelin, slicing through ghosts, knocking ghouls off their feet. Across the courtyard Annabeth fought the uh, like a demon as well. Her dragon Dracon bones soared scythed down any suitors stupid enough to face her. Over the sand found, and Piper had also drawn her sword. The jagged bronze blade she'd taken from Zethys the Boread. She stabbed and parried with her right hand, occasionally choosing shooting tomatoes from the cornucopia in her left. To yelling at the suitors, Save yourselves! I'm too dangerous! Th- they mu- that must have been exactly what they wanted to hear, because her opponents kept running away, only to freeze in confusion a few yards downhill, then charge back into the fight. The Greek tyrant Hippias lunged at Piper, his dagger raised, but Piper plastered him point-blank in the chest with a lovely pot roast. He tumbled backward into the fountain and screamed as he disintegrated. The arrow whistled toward Jason's face. He blew it aside with a gust of wind, then cut it through a line of sword-wielding ghouls and noticed a dozen suitors regrouping by the fountain to charge Annabeth. He lifted his javelin to the sky, a bolt of lightning ricocheted off to the point, and blasted the ghost to ions, leaving a smoking crater where the Earth's fountain had been. Had been. Over the last few months, Jason had fought many battles, but he'd forgotten what it was like to feel good in combat. Of course, he was still afraid, but a huge weight had been lifted from his shoulders. For the first time since waking up in Arizona with his memories erased, Jason felt whole. He knew who he was, he had chosen his family, it had nothing to do with Baal, Grace, or even Jupiter. His family included all the demigods who had fight at his side, Roman and Greek, new friends and old. He wasn't going to let anyone break his family apart. He summoned the winds and tossed three ghouls off the side of the hill like ragdolls. He skewered a fourth and willed his javelin to shrink back to a sword and hack through another group of spirits. Soon no more enemies faced him. The remaining ghosts began to disappear on their own. Ambeth cut down, has the, Carth- the Carthaginian, Carthaginian, and Jason made the mistake of sheathing his sword. Pain flared in his lower back, so sharp and cold he could th- he thought Keon, the snow goddess, had touched him. Next, his ear of Michael Veruse snarled, Born a Roman, die a Roman. The tip of gold sword jutted through the front of Jason's shirt, just below his ribcage. Jason fell to his knees. Piper's scream sounded miles away. He felt like he'd been immersed in salty water, his body weightless, his head swaying. Piper charged toward him. He watched with detached emotion as their a sword passed over his head and cut through Michael Bruce's armor with a metal ka a burst of cold parted Jason's hair from behind. Dust settled behind him, and the an empty legionnaire's helmet rolled across the stones. The evil demigod was gone, but he had made a lasting impression. Jason! <clears throat> Piper grabbed his shoulder as he began to fall, fall sideways. He, he grasped he gasped as she pulled the sword out of his back. Then she lowered him to the ground, propping his head against a stone. Annabeth ran to her side. She had a nasty cut on the side of her neck. "'Gods!' Annabeth stared at the wound in Jason's gut. "'Oh, gods! Thanks!' Jason groaned. I was afraid it might be bad. His arms and tingled legs started to tingle as his body went into crisis mode, sending all the blood to his chest. The pain was dull, which surprised him, but his shirt was soaked red. The wound was smoking. He was pretty sure sword wounds weren't supposed to smoke. "'You're gonna be fine!' Piper spoke the words like an order. Her tone steadied his breathing. Annabeth! Ambrosia! Annabeth stirred. Yeah, yeah, I got it. She ripped through a supply pouch and unwrapped a piece of godly food. We have to stop the bleeding. Piper used her dagger to cut fabric from the bottom of her dress. She ripped the cloth into bandages. Jason dimly wondered how she knew so much first aid. She wrapped the wounds on his back and stomach while Annabeth pushed tiny bit bites of ambrosia into his mouth. Annabeth's fingers trembled. After all the things she'd been through, Jason found it odd how she would freak out now while Piper acted so calm. Then it occurred to him. Piper could... Annabeth could afford to be scared for him. Piper couldn't. She was completely focused on trying to save him. Annabeth fed him another bite. Jason, I... I'm sorry. About your mom? But the way you handled it... That was so brave. Jason tried to not close his eyes. Every time he did, he saw his mom's spirit disintegrating. It wasn't her, he said. At least no part of her I could save. There was no other choice. Emma took a shaky breath. No mm-hmm. other right choice. Maybe, but a friend of mine, Luke, his mom, similar problem. He didn't handle it as well. Her voice broke. Jason didn't know how much an- about Annabeth's past, but Piper glanced over in concern. I'm bandaged as much as I can, she can, she said. Blood is still soaking through in the smoke, I don't get that. In pure gold, Annabeth said, her voice quavering, it's deadly to demigods, it's only a matter of time before. He'll be alright, Piper insisted, we've gotta get him back to the ship. "No, I don't feel that bad, Jason said. And it was true. The ambrosia had cleared his head. Warmth was seeping back to his limbs. Maybe I could fly. Jason sat up. His vision turned a pale shade of green. Or maybe not. Piper caught his shoulders as he keeled sideways. Whoa, Sparky. We need to contact the Argo II. Get help. You haven't called me Sparky in a long time. Piper kissed his forehead. Stick with me, and I'll insult you all you want. Abbott scanned the ruins. The magic veneer faded, leaving only broken walls and excavation pits. We could use the emergency flares, but no, Jason said. Leo would blast the top of the hill with Greek fire. Maybe if you guys helped me, I could walk. Absolutely not, Piper objected. That would take too long. She rummaged in her belt pouch and pulled out a compact mirror. Ambass, you know Morse code? Of course. So does Leo. Piper handed the mirror. You'll be watching from the ship. Go to the ridge and flash him. Ambass' face reddened. They came on wrong. But yeah, good idea. She ran to the edge of the ruins. Piper pulled out a, flash of ne- a flask of nectar and gave Jason a sip. Hang in there. You are not dying from a stupid body piercing. Jason managed a weak smile. At least it wasn't a head injury this time. I stayed conscious the entire fight. You defeated like 200 enemies, Piper said. You were scary amazing. You guys helped. Maybe, but... Hey, stay with me. Jason's head started to droop. The cracks in the stone became into sharper focus. A little dizzy, he muttered. More nectar, Piper ordered. There, taste, okay? Yeah, yeah, fine. In fact, the nectar tasted like liquid sawdust, but Jason kept that to himself. Ever since the House of Hades, when he'd resigned his praetorship, ambrosia and nectar didn't taste like his favorite foods from Camp Jupiter. It was as if the memory of his old home no longer had been the power to heal him. Born a Roman, die a Roman, Michael Verus had said. He looked at the smoke curling from his bandages. He had worse things to worry about than the blood loss. Anubis was right about Imperial Gold. This stuff was deadly to demigods as well as monsters. The wound from Verus's blade would do its best to eat away at Jason's life force. He'd seen a demigod die like that once before, and it hadn't been that fast or pretty. I can't die, he told himself. My friends are depending on me. Antonus's words rang in his ears about the giants in Athens, <clears throat> the impossible trip facing the Argo II. The mysterious hunter Gaea had sent to intercept the Athena Parthenos. Reyna, Nico, and Coach Hedge, he said. They're in danger. We need to warn them. We'll take care of it when we get back to the ship, Piper promised. Your job right now is to relax. Her tone was light and confident, but her eyes brimmed with tears. Besides, those three are a tough group. They'll be fine. Jason hoped she was right. Reyna had risked so much to help them. Coach Hedge was annoying sometimes, but he'd been a loyal protector for the entire crew and Nico. Jason felt especially worried for him. Piper brushed her thumb against the scar on his lip. Once the war's over, everything will work out for Nico. You've done what you could, being a friend to him. Jason wasn't sure what to say. He hadn't told Piper anything about his conversations with Nico. He'd kept D'Angelo's secret. Still, Piper seemed to sense what was wrong. As the daughter of Aphrodite, maybe she could tell when somebody was struggling with heartache. She hadn't pressured Jason to talk about it, though. He appreciated that. Another wave of pain made him wince. Concentrate on my voice. Piper kissed his forehead. Think about something good. Birthday cake in the park in Rome. That was nice. Last winter, she, suggests, she suggested. The s'mores fight at the campfire. I totally got you. You had marshmallow in your hair for days. I did not. Jason's mind drifted back to better times. He just wanted to stay there talking with Piper, holding her hand, not worrying about Giants or Gaia or his mother's madness. He knew they should get back to the ship. He was in bad shape they had the information they'd come for, but as he lay there on the cool stones, Jason felt a sense of incompleteness. The story of the suitors and Queen Penelope, his thoughts about family, his recent dreams, those things all swirled around in his head. There was something more to this place. Something he had missed. Annabeth came back limping from the edge of the hill. Are you hurt? Jason asked her. Annabeth glanced at her ankle. It's fine. Just some, the old break from the Roman caverns. Sometimes sometimes when I'm stressed, that's not important. I signal Leo, Frank's going to change form, fly up here and carry you back to the ship. I need to make a litter to keep you stable. Jason had a terrifying image of himself in a hammock, swinging between the claws of Frank the giant eagle, but he decided it would be better than dying. Anna set to work. She collected scraps left behind by the suitors, a leather belt, a torn tunic, sandal straps, a red blanket, and a couple of broken spear shafts. Her hands flew across the materials, ripping, weaving, tying, braiding. How are you doing that? Jason asked in amazement. Learned it during my quest under Rome. Annabeth kept her eyes on her work. I never had a reason to try weaving before, but it's handy for certain things, like getting away from spiders. She tied off one last bit of leather cord, and voila, a stretcher large enough for Jason with spear shafts as carrying handles and safety straps across the middle. Piper whistled appreciatively. Wow. The next time I need a dress altered, I'm coming to you. Shut up, McLean, Anabit said, but her eyes glinted with satisfaction. Now, let's get him secured. Wait, Jason said. His heart pounded. Watching Annabeth weave the makeshift bed, Jason had remembered the story of Penelope, how she'd held out for 20 years, waiting for her husband Odysseus to return. A bed, Jason said. There was a special bed in this palace. Piper looked worried. Jason, you've lost a lot of blood. I'm not hallucinating, he insisted. The marriage bed was sacred. If there was any place you could talk to, Juno, he took a deep breath and called. Juno! Silence. Maybe Piper was right. He wasn't thinking clearly. Then about 60 feet away, the stone floor cracked. Branches muscled through the earth, growing in fast motion until a full-sized olive tree shaded the courtyard. Under a canopy of gray-green leaves stood a dark-haired woman in a white dress, a leopard skin cape draped over her shoulders. Her staff was topped with a white lotus flower. Her expression was cool and regal. My heroes, said the goddess, Hera. Hyper said, Juno. Jason corrected. Whatever, Annabeth grumbled. What are you doing here, your bovine majesty? Juno's dark eyes glittered dangerously. Annabeth Chase. As charming as ever. Yeah, well, Annabeth said, I just got back from Tartarus, so my manners are a little rusty, especially toward goddesses who wiped my boyfriend's memory, made him disappear for months, and then, honestly, child, are we going to rehash this again? <clears throat> Aren't you, be suppo- aren't you supposed to be suffering from a split personality disorder? Annabeth asked. I mean, more so than usual? Whoa. Jason interceded. You had plenty of reasons to aid Juno, but they had other issues to deal with. Juno, we need your help. We... Jason tried to sit up and, and immediately regretted it. His inside felt like they were being twirled on a giant spaghetti fork. Piper kept him from falling over. First things first, she said. Jason is hurt. Heal him. The goddess knit her eyebrows. Her form shimmered unsteadily. Some things even the gods cannot heal, she said. This wound touches your soul as well as your body. You must fight it, Jason Grace. You must survive. Yeah, thanks, he said, his mouth dry. I'm trying. What do you mean? The wound touches the soul, Piper demanded. Why can't you? My heroes, our time together is short. Juno said, I'm grateful that you called upon me. I've spent weeks in a state of pain and confusion. My Greek and Roman natures warring against each other. Worse, I've been forced to hide from Jupiter, who searches for me in his misguided wrath, believing that I caused this war with Gaia. She, Anabit said, why would he think of that? Juno flashed her an irritated look. Fortunately, this place is sacred to me. By clearing away those ghosts, so you have purified it and given me a moment of clarity. I will be able to speak with you, if only briefly. Why is it sacred? Piper's eyes widened. Oh, the marriage bed! Marriage bed? Ambeth asked. I don't see any... The bed of Penelope and Odysseus, Piper explained. One of its bedposts was a living olive tree, so it could never be moved. Indeed? Juno ran her hand along the olive tree's trunk. An immovable marriage bed. Such a beautiful symbol. Like Penelope, the most faithful wife, standing her ground, fending off a hundred arrogant suitors for years because she knew her husband would return. Odysseus and Penelope, the epitome of a perfect marriage. Even in his days' state, Jason was pretty sure he'd remember stories about Odysseus falling for other women during his travels, but he decided not to bring that up. Can you advise us at least, he asked. Tell us what to do. Sail around the Peloponnese, said the goddess. As you suspect, that is the only possible route. On your way, seek out the goddess of victory in Olympia. She is out of control. Unless you can subdue her. The rift between Greek and Roman can never be healed. You mean Nike? Ambeth asked. How is she out of control? Thunder boomed overhead, shaking the hill. Explaining would take too long, Juno said. I must flee before Jupiter finds me. Once I leave, I will not be able to help you again. Jason bit back in a retort. When did you help me the first time? What else should we know? He asked. As you heard, the giants have gathered in Athens. Few gods will be able to help you on your journey, but I'm, the, I'm, not, I'm not the only Olympian who is out of favor with Jupiter. The twins have also incurred his wrath. Artemis and Apollo? Apollo? Piper asked. Why? Juno's image began to fade. If you reach the island of Delos, they might be prepared to help you. They're desperate enough to try anything to make amends. Go now. Perhaps we will meet again in Athens if you succeed. If you do not, the goddess disappeared. Or maybe Jason's eyesight simply failed. Pain rolled through his- Pain rolled through him. His head rolled back. He saw a giant eagle circling high above, then the blue sky turned black, and Jason saw nothing at all. And that's the end of chapter four. What a fascinating chapter. This was definitely very interesting to see the other side of Hera. Um, We have seen instances of Juno in the past, but I think that highlighting the fact that Every single god has their own issues that they're also dealing with right now at the moment, especially with the incurring war with Gaia. It just makes it much more interesting to see that not that, you know, gods also have a lot of worries and stuff on their plate. And because of that, they also struggle with helping people, including their own children, because they're so occupied with all of this work. So it's interesting to see how Juno can be a really good example of that showing how she's feuding with her her greek side but still has no time in doing her work and whatever she's assigned to do so i think that it was a very interesting dynamic that was presented in this chapter and i really can't wait for the future chapters um overall but yeah, that was the end of our chapters. So now we're moving into our Q&A session. So this is officially the end of our chapter analysis. If you wish to leave, I, I do not worry. You are free to go. But if you are if you'd like to stick around for the Q&A session and uh, shout-out session, s- stay around. So once again, as I say as I always say, um, if I do not get your name or your question, please do remind me in the next episode and I will try my best to answer or shout out that name. Once again, I do also want to give that disclaimer for questions is that if I feel uncomfortable answering a certain question, I may not answer it. Now, the reason why I say this is because I don't want anybody feeling hurt that I don't answer their question. It's just a matter of everybody's free to submit a question that they would like, but I just don't want anybody feeling bad if I don't end up reading their question. But thank you guys for all the effort that you put into these questions because some of these are fascinating to read and to answer. So now we're moving on to our shout out session. We have Aiden. Thank you. Now, moving on to our questions, we have number one favorite couple in Olympus. For me, it would easily be Percy and Annabeth. I think that their time in Tartarus has easily put them against anybody else, a stronger bond. Stronger Everything, because they've literally lived through the worst of the worst together, and they got out of it together. So I think that award will go to Percy and Annabeth. Most, uh, next question is, most underrated of the main seven? I highly think that it is either Leo or Nico. And the reason is because in terms of powers, right? If we look at this in terms of powers and how everybody looks at it. We have, you know, Jason and Percy, obviously, with their big three powers. Then you have, you know, the rest. Annabeth, Hazel, Piper, Frank, Leo, Nico. They all are there. However, it seems that with Leo and Nico, they're very underrated as individuals because as we know Nico is part of is the son of Hades and because of that he can summon the dead and with Leo he's the son of Hephaestus and he's one of the rare opportunities to be able to have fire powers so because of this their powers are recognized but I wouldn't say regards in regards to socially yes Leo's jokes are regarded as the humor of the group and what keeps the group On a lighthearted note, even in times of seriousness, it seems overall, as Leo and Nico be mentioned, you know, it's not as a sense of urgency as compared to potentially names such as Frank, Percy, Jason, Annabeth, and so on. And including Hazel and Piper as well. So there's a lot of factors that go into this, but those were my thoughts based on that question. Uh, Next question is, ever plan on doing a face reveal? not really, not, not probably for a long time, um, next question is, would you want to be cast in the Percy Jackson TV series, and who would it be? Most likely, if I wanted to be cast, I'd probably want to be Grover, I just, I think that when I, when, when during the Percy Jackson on the Olympian series, Grover was that, the Leo of the group, of the books, I think that his, you know, his his way of looking at things from uh, a scared perspective and not necessarily a ne- negative perspective is what makes him a appre- is what makes me appreciate him a bit more because he's such a caring individual overall. Next question is which God is the best parent? Well, if I'm gonna be honest, all of them are lacking um, in some qualities one way or another. But I'd probably say the best, best one out of all of them, parent would probably be. Hephaestus I just I think based on how much he couldn't he I believe if I remember correctly he even took the time even when communications were down for gods he was able to he wanted to communicate with Leo in his dreams so I think that that was something that makes Hephaestus really up there in the candidacy for best godparents uh next question is is this podcast going to end after and finishing the verse books or will you make a separate podcast for other books that is what I'm planning to do. After I practically finish any all the Rick Riordan books in regards to Greek and Roman mythology, I do plan on potentially doing Kane Chronicles or essentially another just another podcast on spinoffs. We'll have to see, but um, at the moment, I do plan on finishing all the Rick Riordan books and then moving on to other series, book series like Harry Potter or um, Wings of Fire or any other ones. Uh, Next question is, how do you feel about Leo being a seventh wheel? At first, it makes me feel very bad for him. And, you know, as much as I, and I, as I have just as much wish for him not to become a seventh wheel anymore. And there's possibility for that. You know, after he met Calypso, there is a chance for him not to be that seventh wheel anymore. And that he's truly found the one for him. Which is why I'm really hoping that he's able to find OGG again. Uh, next question is... If you had to choose a Pokemon to represent Gaia and Tartarus, what would they be? Hmm. Interesting. I'd probably say for Gaia, I'd give Hippodon. And for Tartarus, I'd give Grudon. Uh, Hippodon because he's... Or, it's an Earth-type. And Grudon is Fire-type, so it would make much... It would make a bit more sense, um... That's what I was thinking. And that, the, they gave me the feeling of Gaea when I looked at the Pokemon. Uh, what age range is this series? Uh, I'd, recommend, I'd probably say it's 12 and up. Um, reason is because, you know, you've got some uh, kissing scenes, dating scenes, um, stuff like that. And it'd be, I personally believe it's the most appropriate for 12 and above. But everybody's free to read the books whenever they wish to. Uh, next question is, do you like just Jurassic Park or Marvel? Favorite movie from those series? Um, I'd probably say I'd like Marvel a bit more. Uh, just reason because I've seen more of their movies than Jurassic Park. And to add on to that question, I'd probably say my favorite movie from Marvel is... Hmm. It'd have to be probably Endgame. I think, I think that's, I, 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 I like personally Endgame, watching Endgame. Uh, next question is, will you read Percy Jackson and the Childs of the Gods? I will, uh, probably in a later season, but I definitely most will. Next question is, favorite color? Uh, let's see, that's hard. I'd probably say green, green's a good color, green's a nice color. But that's the end of our Q&A session. I hope you guys enjoyed that just as much as I did. And next week, we will continue off with chapters 5 to 6. And I can't wait just as much as you guys. And yeah. So until next week, stay safe and stay out of boredom.